my parents have a beach home in North Carolina that they've had for 40 years. We've gone there since I was a little kid. But it, the neat thing as we've gotten older is to take our kids and in a couple of years, uh, take our grandkids. Uh, so we're excited about that. Um, there's a little aquarium out there in the Outer Banks. And when the kids were little, we took the kids to the aquarium and they had a great day, a couple of hours, just you know, looking at all the fish and the sharks and all those things. And we get back to the beach house and Joy and Josh, let's see, Josh must have been about two, maybe a little bit less than two, so that would put Joy at about five. Now, Joy has always been very, you know, sweet and, and tender and gentle, and Josh has always been all boy and just rough and, and tumble and all that. And um, we get back to the house, and they're like, hey, let's play aquarium. You know, Joy's like, I want to be the shark. And um, uh, Josh was fascinated by the horseshoe crab, those big, huge crabs with that long tail that sticks out. Um, so he wanted to be the horseshoe crab. So, okay, great. So they begin to do what all kids do, and they immediately just begin to wrestle because that's how kids play. And um, so here's the thing, though. Joy is so sweet. Josh, like, threw her down on the bed, and he's, like, on top of her going, like, roar, I'm a horseshoe crab. And she, like, throws him off and says, no, Joshua, you're the, I'm the shark. You're only a crab. You don't get to hold the shark down and, and growl at me. So little two-year-old Josh is like, well, what does a horseshoe crab do? They just crawl around on the bottom of the ocean and they eat stuff off the bottom. So they restart the game. And now Josh is crawling all around the bottom of the, of the, of the floor. And then he jumps up on the bed because Joy was the shark, you know, dancing around the bed. And he pushes her back down. He's laying on top of her. He's like, roar! And then he begins to eat her off the bottom of the ocean. And she throws him off and says, no, Joshua, I am the shark. I am big, and I'm scary, and I'm strong. You're only a crab, and a crab is weak, and you can't eat a shark. And Josh said, well, then I don't want to play this game anymore. And he left. You know, for far too long, the devil has been lying to us and telling us that we are nothing and that we are weak. And we, as a body of believers, have believed the lie. In fact, the world today as a whole believes more lies than they do truth. We believe as a culture, as a society, lies about gender, about sexuality. We believe that truth is actually relative to our own experiences and that there is no outside source of truth. Yeah. And people don't know the truth of the Bible, so then we believe a lie and then we perpetuate it and we give it down to our children for the next generation and we make up our own truth that is relative to us, that, that feels good to us, that sounds good to us. Church, we must not believe the lies that the devil is trying to put on society and put on culture. We need to embrace the ancient, absolute, biblical, moral truth. That term, absolute truth, it's actually a, a, a term that, that can be, it's a scientific term. It means that something is universally true at all times, in all places, and in every situation. It's something that is true no matter the circumstances. It's a fact that cannot be changed. For example, there are no round squares. There are no square circles. Gravity holds mass down to the earth at a force of 1G. The angles of a triangle must equal 180 degrees. The earth is a sphere. And I know that messes with some flat earth people. But it's an absolute truth. One time, Josie and I booked 
a flight. We were going to be in India and Cambodia back to back. So I literally booked a flight that was circumnavigate the globe. We would literally go around, go to India and then continue to Cambodia and then come back to LA and come back to Dallas. Circumnavigate the globe. Full disclosure, we ended up, I think there was a, an event at the kid's school that we had to come back for a kid's performance or something. So we went to India, came back, sat jet lagged at school, and then the next day got on a plane and went the other direction to Cambodia. So we didn't actually circumnavigate the globe, but I did the miles because I love my kids. The earth is not flat. It is an absolute truth. Absolute truth must be discovered. It's not invented or created. And as a Christian, we discover the truth in the Bible. Biblical truth is not relative to our experiences. Biblical truth is absolute. It is the same whether we believe it or not, and it is the same in America as it is in Africa as it is in Asia. It is the same around the world. But here's something that was found in a recent Barna research poll about absolute truth. 64% of adults say that truth is always relative to the person. 64% of adults say truth is relative to the person's situation. It gets worse among teenagers. 83% of teenagers said that moral truth depends on the person's circumstances. 6% of American teenagers believe in absolute moral truth. This is a message that I first wrote when I was a youth pastor 25 years ago. When I wrote this, the, the first outline of this message 25 years ago, that number was 24%. 25 years ago, 24% of American teenagers believed in absolute moral truth. Today, it's only six. Well, those stats are from unchurched people. They should have done a research poll of church people because that's, they be, July 2015, the Barna Research Group did a poll of practicing Christians. 59% of practicing Christians in America today believe in absolute biblical truth. 28% of practicing American Christians said that truth is relative. 13% of American Christians today check the checkbox, I do not have enough biblical information to have a strong opinion. See, when we learn and understand the word of God, absolute truth removes our opinions. If you drop an apple, gravity says it's going to fall to the earth at a force of one G, regardless of your opinion. Yeah. And it'll be the same all around the world in every situation. In the last 10 to 20 years, we have seen the number of people that believe in the very basic Judeo-Christian truths plummet. And you would ask, why do things seem to be changing so rapidly from even 25 years ago when I first wrote this outline to today. The Apostle Paul put it this way to the church that Timothy was pastoring. He said, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. Other translations say they'll chase after lies. People today, more than ever before, they will not stand for biblical teaching, even in the church. Instead, we listen to what our itching ears want to hear. We reject the truth, we chase after a lie. Today, so many people around us, they just simply don't believe in God, so therefore they don't believe in the God of the Bible, so therefore they don't believe in the absolute truth that is in the Bible. And in America, this is actually really new. For nearly 200 years, we were a Christian nation. The majority of people in America 
were practicing Christians. Today, we are a post-Christian nation. The vast majority of Americans today do not believe in God. They do not believe in the God of the Bible. They do not believe in the absolute truth of the Bible. And my fear is that the number of Christians that believe in the absolute truth of the Bible is also plummeting. And the Christians believe the same thing as the world is believing. We believe the same lie. The light is actually growing dim. The darkness is getting darker. Isaiah warned of this. He said, what sorrow, what sorrow is for those who say that evil is good and that good is evil, that dark is light and that light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow. In in my lifetime, I have seen more sorrow compounded on our country as we have drifted further and further away from the absolute biblical truths that are in the word of God. And what's happened is it's created division between those that believe and those that do not believe in absolute moral truth. So today we have people that would take something that would be an absolute truth and they would say two plus two equals five, regardless of whatever you say is true. And if you think that two plus two equals four, you are a hateful bigot that is discriminating against my two plus two equals five lifestyle that I have chosen and that I believe in. It's my world, it's my reality, it's true to me. And that's what's being taught in our schools today, that the most important source of truth is one's own feelings, emotions, and experiences. I was discussing this with my stepfather, who's 80 years old this year. He grew up in the public school system in Richmond, Virginia. And we were discussing the the moral decline and the belief in absolute truth in our culture today. He said, can I tell you something? When I was in the seventh grade, a little over 65 years ago, we studied the Psalms. We actually memorized Psalms from a paper Bible in literature class. Recently, I was talking to a teenager and they had heard a lesson like this on absolute moral truth and they were just curious. Oh, a Christian teenager, a church-going kid. And in the lunchroom, there was a bunch of kids around and they were just talking kid stuff, you know, teenager stuff. He said, I have a religion question. Like, I'm just curious, I'm gonna straw poll. Can any of you guys name a single one of Jesus' 12 disciples? And there was kind of a laugh and a chuckle and it got real quiet. And one guy goes, bro, what's a disciple? See, we assume because we live and operate in a churchy church world that other people have a clue about what the Bible says. Today in our culture, ain't nobody got a clue. My fear is that in the church, in the body of Christ, we are biblically illiterate. And we have allowed the lies that have been adopted by the world to permeate the church. And the funny thing is, we Christians are the ones that are considered closed-minded, bigoted, and hypocritical. But I'm telling you that polite society all around the world believes in absolute truth. Here's, here's my example for that. I need a, a PJ, you have a driver's license on you? Can I, can I see your driver? Come here, turn up here real quick. This is Preston Jones, one of our teenagers. So Preston has a Texas driver's license up and down because he's under 21, a provisional driver's license. Um, PJ, my interpretation of this document is that you owe me $1,000. I sure hope not. No, no, that, I, I believe because your picture's on there and because it has an expiration date and it's got your, yeah, you owe me $1,000. That's my belief and I hold true to this. Do you see how bananas that sounds? Because society says, this legally gives PJ the right to drive, but it has nothing to do with him 
giving me $1,000, regardless of my interpretation, this is truth. Society needs to have truth that we all abide by. We like to have rules. It helps society operate, and it has no idea. what. It doesn't matter what my opinions are. There is a right and a wrong, and there is an absolute truth. And because you hold a driver's license, I don't get to interpret that as you owe me $1,000. It simply means you can drive. When we live in a society where truth is relative, everything crumbles. So, for example, you could ask a believer, practicing Christian, Believer, is adultery, having sex outside of the covenant of marriage, is adultery wrong? And the person in the modern American church would shrug their shoulders and put their hands in their pockets and doesn't want to make any waves and go, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, for, for me, you know, for a Christian, sure, it's wrong as a Christian. But the Bible says that sex outside of the covenant of marriage is sin. Whether you believe the Bible or not, it is true for a Christian, it's true for a non-Christian, it's true for an American, it's true for anybody around the world. That is an absolute moral truth, whether you believe it or not. So yes, sexual sin is wrong for everybody. It's an absolute truth. You don't have to believe in gravity for a 1G force of gravity to be true for everybody. Well, who gets to say? God. God says. And we believe in God. And the Bible says that God is greater and he gets to set the rules that we live by. Deuteronomy chapter 10 says, the Lord your God is the God of lowercase g gods. He is the Lord of lords. He is the great God. He is the mighty and the awesome God. He is the champion. You know, in a boxing ring or in a UFC fight, the one dancing around with their arms in the air at the end is the victor. And ever since Jesus was risen from the dead, he has been dancing around with his arms in the air because he overcame the devil. So that's why he gets to make the rules is because he is the champion. Well, now listen, that's your belief because you're a Christian. All roads, all religion, all truths will lead you to God. No, because God is not a liar and he's not a schizophrenic. And he said in John chapter 14, I am the way, and look at this, I am the truth, absolute truth, and I am the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through Jesus. All religions do not lead to God. Only those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God the sacrifice for our sins, and that we die to ourselves and we live for him. The key is knowing the truth, and that just there said Jesus is the truth. So those that do not yet believe in Jesus, they say, well, how, how can you say that? How can you believe that about absolute truth? The Bible tells me so. I know, but that's true to you. I know, but gravity is the same for all of us. Acts chapter 4, the Apostle Paul repeats kind of what Jesus said. He said, there is salvation found in nobody else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. So we Christians, our very faith is predicated that the Bible is true. So therefore, Christians should believe in absolute truth. So going back to my example from five minutes ago about sexual sin. Sex outside of the covenant of marriage is sin. Whether it's heterosexual sex or homosexual sex, it's sin. Marriage is defined in scripture between a man and a woman. The Bible says that gender is not fluid. That he makes us, he creates us in our mother's womb as male and female. Science backs that up and there's an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. Side note, Christians are not afraid of science. Because God created the heavens and the earth. Science proves the reality of God. I have no problem with science. I, I embrace science. 
because it proves the reality of God. Truths today that are biblical, that are moral, that, that we've believed in for thousands of years, they have suddenly become extremely divisive and unpopular. And they're dividing between, we would say that Bible says that sex is for only inside the covenant of marriage and that marriage was created by God to be a man and a woman and that gender is not relative, it is fact. So then we go on to think, the Bible says that getting drunk, or we would add to that in 2021, getting high is a sin. See, this is extremely unpopular in our day today. But you have to understand, for nearly 6,000 years, for the first 3,500 years of Judaism, for the last 2,000 years of Christianity, this has been normal. It's only been in about the last 10 to 15 years that we have changed what we believe about truth, that gender is fluid. Speaking of gender being fluid, can I mess with your brain a little bit? Do you know that the Bible says that women are weaker than men? Equal, but weaker. First Peter in the same way, husbands, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding so you can live together. Meaning, don't be a jerk just because it's the Middle East. She might be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Jesus' blood was shared for her as much as it is for you. The same price was paid. You are equal. So you should treat her well. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. So the Bible says women are weaker than men, equal but weaker, because the same price was paid. The same Holy Ghost was given to each. The same power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit were given to men and women. No, 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 listen, that is your so-called truth. And that might have been good for a previous generation, but we have evolved our thinking to new and better truths. So even in the church, God has changed to give new truth to this generation, except Malachi says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So therefore, we believe in absolute truths. We believe that the Bible is the standard for righteousness for all people everywhere at all times. It is an absolute truth, even if other people don't believe in God and don't believe in the Bible. But here's what I'm saying. These are unpopular beliefs that create division in public society today. So should we fuel the fire and keep ourselves at odds with one another? Absolutely not. We are not against anyone. I don't expect unbelievers to have the same truth as believers. My biggest problem is with believers that believe the lie of the, of the world. But we are 100% emphatically not against anyone ever. I am pro-God. I am pro-the Bible. I am pro-the truth. I am pro-people. Even if we disagree on what truth is, I'm not against people. The only thing I'm against is the devil and his lies. We honor everyone, even those that disagree with us. Everyone bears the image of the God in whom they were created to reflect. God said he created us in the very nature and image of God. So we respect everyone, whether they believe like us or not. And I know that seems offensive. We should not be offensive. We should be loving, we should be humble, we should be full of grace and honor and encouragement and blessing for people. The problem is society today has changed the very definition of the word truth. To, to people today, the, the, that very term truth, it is not absolute, it is relative. This is my truth, you live your truth. I'm so proud of him for living out his truth. And if you believe in the absolute moral truth of the Bible, you're considered a bigot and closed-minded. 
And honestly, Christians today have not done a great job of representing Jesus well to our society. But when the world believes one thing and we believe something else, it makes us feel insecure, especially our young people. Parents of teenagers and children, I want to remind you that only 6% of teenagers today believe in absolute biblical moral truth. We've got to do a better job of knowing the Bible so that we can teach the Word of God to our children. See, the church used to believe this, and the church used to permeate society. That's how we were a Christian nation. Today, it's the other way around. The world is set against the church. The world is set against God. The world is set against the Bible and its truth. So therefore, it feels like we're always at odds. So there, and it, lately, in the last 20 years, it's been the church that has caved under the pressure. We have not done a good job of communicating the love of God, the freedom of God, the joy of God, and still standing for the truth of God. So the question is, and what I want to challenge you is, how do we speak to people that disagree with us, but yet we do it in a way that is loving and kind and humble? They want it, maybe people that want to have a discussion about the Bible. Peter also said it this way. You must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. If somebody asks you about your hope as a believer, be ready to explain it. Josh, leave that verse up just for a few seconds. I want people to really soak that in. Worship Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. But you, as believers, people might see something different in you. They're going to see a truth that's different in you. They're going to see a hope that's different in you. You need to be able to explain it. If you don't know the word of God, you're not going to be able to explain the hope that you have living on the inside of you and the truth that you believe. That's why it's so important that you study your Bible. That's why it's so important that you be in a U group that studies the Word of God. That's why it's so important that you have an app like the Read Scripture app and you do 10 or 15 minutes a day and you understand the Bible. I, I give you, in a 25-minute message, I give you about 10 or 12 minutes of Scripture. That if, if you only ate for 10 minutes a week, you would starve and die, which has happened to most of the American church. Back to our verse he said, you need to be able to explain your hope as a believer. But verse 16, he said, do it in a gentle and respectful way so that you can keep your conscience clear. When you talk to people about your faith, do it in a gentle and respectful way. And then if people speak against you, they're going to be ashamed because they're going to see you're living such a good life because you belong to Christ. Be kind to people. Pray in that kindness that people repent and open their eyes to see Jesus as Lord. Romans chapter 2 says, don't you see how wonderful and kind and tolerant and patient God is with us? Doesn't this mean anything to you? Can't you see that it's the kindness of God that is intended to turn you from your sin? It is God's kindness that leads us to very repent, not arguing. Kindness leads to repentance. I'll be totally honest. I've lived as a believer for most of my life. I gave my heart to the Lord as a teenager. I like absolute truth. I like that there are boundaries and rules. I like that God created us to know him, to know his word, and to know absolute truth. It's refreshing. It's reassuring to me. It, it, I, life doesn't make sense. I'm glad I'm not the one that has to define by my own opinions and feelings what truth is. I'm glad that there is a word that was written by the Holy Spirit that defines truth and that it's not up to me. That would be terrifying to make up my own truth for my own life. 
I don't need to figure it out. I just need to believe in the one that is truth. Life makes so much more sense when you live according to the rule of law. For example, we love the rule of law in a polite society. We've all agreed on what absolute truth is gonna be. You can't walk up to a random stranger and punch them in the face. That is assault. You're gonna to go to jail. We all agree on that, so that keeps things. You can't just go steal somebody else's stuff. It's an absolute truth that if it doesn't belong to you, you can't take it. And we have all agreed to that as a society. And that's what brings peace and order. It's actually freeing and, and safe to have absolute truth. You can't murder somebody because you identify as a non-murderer. Or because you say that in your truth, it's okay to murder. No, society works best when we all agree to what the truth of law is going to be. I'm telling you, church, we were created to live under God's laws. And life is free and happy and joyful and peaceful when we live according to God's laws. And I see unbelievers today defining their own truth according to their own wisdom, according to their own desire, their own opinions, and their lives are often miserable and it makes me so sad for them. I'm not mad at people that disagree with us. I'm moved with compassion for them. Life has got to be hard when we're the ones defining what truth is. Let me just encourage you, especially you young people, it's okay to be unpopular. It's okay to believe different than the rest of the world. It's okay to believe the Bible and still love people and still be kind to people. Just because more and more people believe the lie doesn't make the truth any less true. It's kind of similar to last week's message on sin and, and living holy. Absolute truth is not a list of do's and don'ts. No, you can't do this. You have to do that. You have to believe like this. You have, and if you don't, you're a bad person. It's more like absolute truth says you were created in the image of God to represent him to the earth. Represent Jesus. Reflect his character, reflect his holiness, reflect his goodness, reflect his nature wherever you go. That's truth. There's actually great freedom in absolute truth. Jesus said to the people, if you believe in me, you're truly my disciples because you've remained faithful to my teachings. You're gonna know the truth and that truth will set you free. Remaining faithful to the teachings of Jesus brings life and freedom and joy it's all found in the Bible. Just remain faithful to the one that is truth and walk in that freedom. Hop up on your feet. I want to pray for you before we, we go. I said it earlier, I'll repeat it. The only way to know absolute truth is to know Jesus because he is truth. The only way to believe in God's absolute truths is to believe in the one that reflects the very image and nature and character of God. And again, people push back and say, listen, you're a Christian, you're a pastor, you're a preacher, so you get to have these beliefs. Yeah, I do, but I don't believe that way. I know, but I'm praying you would. Because if you don't believe in Jesus as Lord, you'll believe in anything. There's an old adage that says that people can't change the truth, but the truth can change people. So people ask me, all right, why do you believe? Why do you say, the Bible tells me so? Because I know the Bible's true. 
because I know God is real. I've told the story before, but we've had a lot of new people join the church, so I'll repeat it for, for old time's sake. When I was 15, almost 16 years old, I was on a missions trip in Peru. We were there for almost two months and we would do a little Jesus drama that would, you know, it was an allegory depicting the life of Christ and his great love for people. At the end, somebody would share a testimony, would invite people to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. We had done this hundreds of times over that summer and I was getting towards the end of the trip and that particular day, all I was thinking about was that it was almost lunchtime and this cute girl standing next to me. And I wasn't thinking about the guy who was sharing his testimony. I wasn't thinking about people getting right with God. I was just a selfish teenager that just wanted to get on the bus and go to lunch. When all of a sudden, for the first time really in my life, we were looking out over the crowd of several hundred people and I felt the Lord speak to my heart. It wasn't in my ears, but it was like loud in my, in my, in my heart. And the Lord said, do you see that blind guy in the back? Yeah, go pray for him and I'm gonna heal him. Okay. See, I wasn't like a super spiritual kid. I was barely saved. So I go over to the translators. There was a kid from the youth group there in Peru. I said, hey, can you translate? I'm gonna go pray for that blind guy up there. So we went up the stairs and went to pray for the guy and he was a good Catholic guy. I'm sure older gentleman took off his hat, put it over his head. He had big wraparound, you know, Florida old guy sunglasses and a cane and we're standing there and we just prayed for him to be healed and nothing happened. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So we're about to say, you know, and I'll nombre de Jesus, amen, I'm on the bus, give me lunch. And I felt, I had never felt it before, so it's hard to describe it, but it was as if I was a puppet and the Lord just put his hand like up my spine and started working my mouth. And I turned to the translator kid, and I'm like, hey, um, can you tell him that I'm praying that God heals him of his blind eyes? And the kid looked at me like, I'll tell him that's what you're saying. So he, I'm sure he was saying something like, this crazy gringo is praying for your, him, not me. I live next door to you. This guy is praying for your blind eyes to be open." So after the translation, the old man took off his sunglasses and just kind of leaned over to me. And I'm sure he could have seen as a younger man, but in old age and without laser surgery, he had developed these big, gray, goopy cataracts. And I was like, oh snap, you really blind? The sunglasses weren't faking it. But remember, I had like the Holy Spirit work in my mouth. And I didn't pray a thousand prayers like I did the first time. I simply looked into those gray, goopy cataracts and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And instantly I felt the power of God move on that man. And instantly I watched those gray, goopy cataracts dissolve and big, beautiful brown eyes begin blinking back at me. We were both shocked. So the old man, he just starts running. He just runs. And me and the kid from the youth group, we're like hugging and like, did you see that? That's why I believe, like no atheist can talk me out of the reality of God. I, in that moment as a kid, like nobody can talk me out of God. I had nothing to do with that. In that moment, it was, a, I knew that God was real. I knew that Jesus came and he died. I knew the Bible was true. I knew that heaven was real, but I also knew that hell was real and the devil was real. And I knew that my sin separated me from God.
So that's why in that moment I committed myself to tell people, you've got to repent of your sin because hell is real and I don't want anybody to go there. And I know that the Bible is true and that absolute truth is true and it's amazing. It's not terrible. That's why I believe in absolute truth. It's because I believe in God and He's amazing. That's my question. Do you really believe in God or is today the day that you repent of your sin and you ask Jesus to forgive you and you ask Him to become the Lord of your life? You put your faith in truth. It might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed a prayer like this. Maybe it's the first time in a long time and you need to come running back to the Father's love because He loves you. God is crazy about you. God says that you are His favorite child. He has your picture on His refrigerator. He smiles over you. You say, whoa, 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 preacher. I'm not like a good person. I do all those things that you said we're not supposed to do. He's, he loves you so much. He's crazy about you. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repent and turn to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I forgot we were doing online. I, I thought COVID was over, but it's not. We're still doing this. Hi, online people. I'm sorry I forgot about you. I would have talked to you more. Some of you right now, we're, we're getting emails and reports in because these YouTube videos are up for weeks and months and we're getting emails and from sermons from months and months ago of people that are getting right with God. So whoever you are months and months from now, your heart is beating out of your chest. It's as if I was talking just to you. That's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. God is talking to you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And today is your day to repent of your sin and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Father in heaven, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. I pray that today would be the day that we stop believing a lie and we believe the truth. We believe in you. We believe in your word. We believe in the absolute moral truth of the word of God. We surrender ourselves and our opinions and our feelings to you. And we say, Jesus, it's too hard to be in charge of truth. So we're simply gonna surrender our lives to you that you would be our truth. And we want, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for not teaching what the, the next generation, what truth and, and freedom looks like. Forgive us for being harsh and nasty and divisive with people. God, I pray that we would be humble and loving and kind with people and that we would be well-informed and well-educated about the, what the Word of God does say so that we can talk to people in open, honest, humble, loving conversations. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're not right with God, you don't believe in the one who is true but you want to. So either for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'd like to lead you in a prayer to get right with God, to repent of your sin, to ask Him to forgive you, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Today's gonna to be your day. Same for you online people. So if that's you, why don't you let me know who I'm praying for. If you're here this morning and you wanna pray and get right with God, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day, I've gotta get right with God. I see one hand right over there, I see another one right over there. Come on somebody, raise your hand up, say I gotta get right with God today good. Hey, what about you that are watching at home? There's two people here in the church that are going to get right with God. What about you? Right there in your living room, right here in your bedroom, just shoot your hand up and say, I got to get right with God today. Church family, would you do me a favor for the sake of these that are watching online and the two that are in here this morning? If you believe this in your heart and you really believe it, would you pray it out loud together? We'll all do it together. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life, the Savior of my soul. 
be my truth. Lord, forgive me for defining my own truth. Forgive me for not trusting your word. I surrender to you. And I receive the gift of eternal life. And I receive your truth for my life. In Jesus' name, we say, church, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, somebody. Yeah, God, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. All right, here's what I want to do. Hey, if you're watching at home and you just prayed that prayer, even if it's months from now, I want you to text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. You're going to get an auto response texted back to you. It's a form. Fill that form out and click submit because I want one of our pastors to get in touch with you and encourage you and pray for you. And if you're watching at home online, I don't know if you guys can cut to camera three, we have this Jesus wall over here. Every single one of the light bulbs that's screwed in on this wall is somebody that's gotten right with Jesus in the last year. And we've written their name on it. We've screwed it in that Jesus wall right there. So what I want to do is, come on somebody. Yay, God, get your light bulb screwed in. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Yay, God.